One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast Hey Dirtbags, thanks so much for tuning in to a Dirtbags Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host Charles Ellsworth and I'm so happy to have you here for this episode. Um, if this sounds different, it's because I'm recording it on the voice the voice memos on my iPhone because I'm on tour guitar teching for a band and I forgot to bring a microphone to record this intro. And so, um, yeah, here it is. But have no fear, we got a great, great episode for you. Uh, We've got that girl Toby, um, Ashley Tobias from the band Gogo Bordello, and uh, it's it's such a good interview. We have so much fun. Toby's great. A lot of fun getting to know her, talk to her about growing up in New Jersey and just her journey and everything. It was really, really fun. Uh, thanks to Bar Fredo in Ridgewood, New York, for having us, letting us record the episode in their bar while they weren't open. Thank you, Jeff Sher Moses, for setting it up and making it all happen. Uh, really, really means a lot. I'm going to make this real short, but as you know, if you want to support this show or you support my music or anything like that the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth and there you can sign up for as little as three dollars a month and get access to all kinds of exclusive content and just kind of a background look at what it's like to be me and try and make this show and make music and all those things that i do i've got a lot of new videos and music coming out and it's all gonna probably come out or a lot of it's gonna come out first on patreon so go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth and sign up so you can see those videos and hear those songs first. It means a lot. It would make a big difference for me, and I'd really, really love it if we kept building our community over there. It's a lot of fun. If you're not in a position to to sign up to contribute three or more dollars a month right now, no worries. I totally get it. There's still ways you can help without having to spend any money at all. The way you can do that is make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Leave us a review and a rating in the Apple Podcasts app. That would be amazing if you would do that. I want more more of those reviews. I want them. I want more. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But no, it would be really cool if, you know, if 5% of the listeners of the show right now would just go leave me a five-star review and, yeah, five-star rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, It would make a big difference for me, and it really doesn't take a whole lot from you, and it would really mean a lot. In the meantime, make sure you check out my music, Charles Ellsworth, on whatever platform you listen to music, and, yeah, lots of new stuff coming out. I'm leaving on tour soon, uh, end of February. But before that, February 9th in Brooklyn at Low High, we've got Charles and Carl's Rooftop Hoot Nanny with our friend Boris Pellick of Gogo Bordello as well. It's going to be really fun. Great songwriting night, just hanging out, folk music. It's going to be really fun. So please come through to Low High. Check out my tour dates. I'll have those uploaded on the internet soon. But if you don't know them yet, follow me on Instagram, charles.smellsworth. I'm posting about them several times a week. So... Would love to see y'all out on the road sometime soon. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and enjoy this conversation I had with my new friend, Toby. That girl, Toby. 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 Yeah, enjoy this conversation. 
Toby, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's so great to meet you. Um, just a little bit we've gotten to talk so far has been awesome. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking some more. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like you do on a podcast. Yeah. Um, let's start with uh, just tell me a little, about, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and, sure. and uh, yeah. All right. Um, so I'm originally from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to Queens about eight years ago. Cool. Um, the long, short story is that um, I was born on an army base camp in Arizona. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm adopted, and then I was flown to Jersey, and now I live in Queens. Cool. I was born in Arizona also. No way. Yeah. Cool. Where? Mesa, Arizona. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'd like to say, like, I really know where that is, but. It's, uh, it's like a suburb of Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. I'm from Sierra Vista. Oh, yeah. I know Sierra Vista. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, uh, um, I, I was, I went there when I was a kid a, a few times. Okay. I, I, uh, don't really have very clear memories. Of I it, have zero so. memories of yeah, that. So, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> but cool. Um, yeah, that's really cool that uh, you were born in Arizona. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about growing up in New Jersey? Like, what was your family like? What? Um, yeah, my family, uh, my mom is Italian. My dad is Polish. Um, my mom was a school teacher. So she kind of was always in the schools that I was in mm-hmm. as a kid, yeah. which is fun. And also kind of like, my mom is here like, yeah, all the totally. time. Um, and my dad was an accountant, and he worked in White Plains, uh, New okay, York. Yeah. So he would always um, commute there. Um, but yeah, I'm only child, so, Mm -hmm. but I always lived, like, five, five blocks from, like, my school, so, like, I was always very, very close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom was the librarian for a few years while I was in middle school. Okay. So she was always on campus, and it was, so, like, I I can relate to that a little bit. Yeah, my mom was a kindergarten teacher, so. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, um. That's cool. How far from the city were you? If your your dad was commuting to White Plains, yeah, it's so probably I'm pretty like, close. Like forty miles from from the city. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. That's uh, what what was your experience with with New York City like before you um, moved here? I would go in with my parents every so often to go see like a Broadway show. Uh huh. But even when I was like in high school or like my early years of college I didn't really go into the city that much like I wasn't like let's go in and party like I kind of just like hung out in um, I went to school at Montclair State University okay so I hung out in the Montclair area then I also go to like Hoboken area mm-hmm. that's like where a lot of the nightlife was yeah um and then when I started auditioning because I also went to school for musical theater yeah I would my later years of college go into the city and like audition and mm-hmm. wait in lines at like 5 a.m or 6 a.m and yeah. then come back home Oh dang! Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, sounds exhausting. It was really exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Um, what what got you into like musical theater and music and like was that always kind of part of the household or how did you get yeah, into it? Yeah. Um, well, funny story. My parents have this one like VHS tape of when I was like three years old. We uh-huh. were on this ride in Disney World. Um, I think it was like the It's a Small World After All, uh-huh. the one that like goes in the dark with like a boat. Yeah. And then all the puppets and everything and started singing and my grandma was in the canoe with us and she started singing and I was like no no grandma you don't sing only I sing so I guess so funny I I was always kind of like a little bit of a ham growing up and then um I started doing like a variety show in my middle school when I was in seventh grade okay so that was like my first on stage performance I guess 
And, and then, by a variety show, like what sort of stuff would that be? Um, it was a talent show. One of my best friends at the time, we watched the show Beaches, the movie, uh-huh. and we did this like little like duo uh-huh. thing. I honestly can't remember too much about it, but we wore like these like red sequiny dresses and had these big boas on, and oh, like yeah. it was fun. Um, I guess that was my first stage performance. Yeah, and I just always wanted to be a singer, and I thought that musical theater was a way to like get on stage. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. And so when you got into high school and what, stuff like that, were you doing, like, drama and yeah. theater and, and everything? Yeah, yeah. When I, well, when I was in middle school, I did band, mm-hmm. and um, I was a flutist, and I was oh, pretty cool. good. I was first chair. I was really Hell good at yeah. it. Yeah. I was never first chair at anything. <laughs> it was very fun. <laughs> um, and then I, when I was in high school, they're like, you have to choose between band or choir. Uh-huh. So I was like, dang it. Well, so then I, then I chose choir. And then I was in drama, and then I was, like, in all the shows in high school, and mm-hmm. I was, like, the lead in a lot of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, in another life, I would have done more of that stuff. What did you do, like, when you were growing up? I was a – I played football. I was, like, a, okay. a, a like like a athlete. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For yeah, lack yeah. of a better term, I was a jock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was just kind of, like, where I grew up. That okay. was, like, high school football or soccer was, like, kind of, like – the thing cool and, i never uh, really did sports i was always like into the theater or musical stuff that's cool yeah. that's uh like my family and like growing up it was kind of similar where i i did piano lessons and whatnot mm-hmm. and my like my birth father's side of the family who i don't really have a lot of like contact with since i was like 10 years old okay. um but they were like really involved in that sort of stuff and so i grew up kind of like like my first time on stage we were doing some sort of talent show thing and we were I was very small. This is like a very, like one of my earliest memories, yeah. and it's like kind of horrifying. Oh God! <laughs> but it's, what? Uh, uh, I was. I gotta have my sister on the podcast to tell this story because okay. she remembers better. She's a little older. Okay. But we were doing a like, like a lip sync, some sort of performance of "Achy Breaky Heart." You know oh that God, song? I love yeah, that song. yeah, some sort of performance of that. It's like one of my favorite songs. And yeah. as we were like running out on stage, or at the end, we were going off stage. I tripped and like hit my face on the ground no. really hard and was just like screaming and like crying and I that I think I cut my face and whatnot. It oh was, my god! It was like in pretty in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah, just like in front of everyone, like the Whoa. middle of the stage. Yeah, it's amazing that I even ever have gotten on stage. I was just since. gonna say, yeah. yeah, here you are, still it's, to this day. It's wild. Yeah. Wow. I like um and I, I just very vaguely remember this. Yeah. So like I could. Like I need to have like my mom or my sister uh, on to tell this story oh a little my bit gosh. better, you know. But right. we used to do all sorts of stuff like that. Sure, sure. Um, did talent shows with my sure. friends that were like skits and things like that, and then that eventually turned into bands and yeah, you know, uh, covering like playing Johnny B. Good at the seventh grade talent show. And, oh, that's cool. And like Blink One Eighty Two and stuff like yeah, that. Of yeah, of course. So I never had friends that were into like bands. Like I, I don't know. Like my school. I never really, I don't think I knew anyone that did that. I guess I would uh-huh. have gone into the band world. Totally. But I guess people were just more into theater in my in my area. Yeah. I mean, that's that's cool. It's, it, it is interesting how different schools are, are yeah. different. Even, like, public schools where it's not specialized, but they, like, whatever they're known for, it seems like that's what gets the money. And, like, for my school, it's obviously the football program, yeah. you know, and... Um, there was a lot of animosity, which like was probably rightfully deserved because sure. like they ate up a lot of the budget, but also they like made a lot of the money for yeah. ticket sales and things like that. Sure, so that makes sense. Um, yeah. But it's like 
other places it was like theater or like I have a friend who their band was like would come out there like in a Utah. Band yeah, they were in Utah yeah. and their marching band would like come do the, the Macy's parade in New York City in competitions because they oh, were wow, like, that's cool. that was their thing. I guess it just has to do with like the, the PTA, you know, like which mom is, or yeah. dad is the most or like, like proactive. Or like what teacher is able to like Mr. Holland's opus, yeah. Th- yeah, you know, exactly. or, or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. our football coach was just like a guy that like is like in all the records in, in high school football. That's cool. Just like won state so championships after. Yeah, yeah, so it was like, um, but yeah, that's uh, not to... They the audience knows I'll just talk about high school football, so <laughs> no. like let's not get me caught up on that. Um, so you said you went to college at Montclair State yeah. University. Where where is that? That's like twenty ish miles north of the city. Okay. Um, I know I've seen like signs for it, or I've, I, I'm yeah. familiar with it. It was but. a great campus, and at the time when I was was going there, it was it was coming more like musical driven. Cool. Like they just opened up a new school for music. So that was really cool. But that was more like pedagogy and like opera stuff. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Which I am classically trained, but cool. I kind of left that world yeah. behind. After singing rock music for so long, you're, <laughs> all the opera things that I've learned are a little... <laughs> yeah, you. I bet you you're not really lost. practicing those yeah, things. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is crazy how it, I didn't realize this, and it makes perfect sense, but like you know, you just it's like weird that you don't contextualize things when you're young but like how the voice is all like muscles and exactly if you're not it's all using, training things yeah if you're yeah. not using part of it if you're not using part of your body then like that muscle is going to become a little like deadened so you have to like totally yeah, yeah. i'm like a, i like to think of myself as a runner but i haven't really been running much since the new year right um i'm like the opposite i like don't do the the resolution and then i catch up in march or whatever yeah <laughs> but, i'm starting uh, the resolution yeah. so we'll see how long it goes for nice yeah. nice uh and so but yeah i'm like once i start running again it's going to be really hard you know yeah and but then your brain is going to like muscle memory will start to kick in totally you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah it's like training all over again yeah, I didn't contextualize that and like playing guitar and whatnot. Yeah, you know, it's a, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it is something I wish I had told or someone had told me. And maybe they did when I was younger, and I just didn't get it. But it's sure. like, it's like just like get really good at something or yeah. like like just whatever you want to do. Just put a lot of your time into getting good at that. Yeah, and eventually someone's gonna like. There's going to be opportunities around the fact that you're better than most people at that. Right. I guess you really need like a mentor <clears throat> in that in the field that you want to go totally. into. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have anyone like that? Um, I did. I um so when I was in high school aside from doing aside from doing like school musicals, I was also a part of this one community theater called Allegro Playhouse, which was in my town. Cool. And I started doing that from the age of like 14 to I guess 18 and I was just like in every single show and community theater there and I had a voice teacher that loved me in that area I had a director that really loved me and they really taught me a lot of things but then I it's like you like as a kid it's like you're listening to what people tell you but it doesn't like really really sink in yeah so kind of like what you're saying you know so I sometimes I wish I could go back in time and like take that advice more but totally I uh I mean there's a lot of things that I think it's just part of the the battle, like or part of like life is like you gotta, like you gotta figure it out for yourself. Yeah, you have to learn on your own. You know, yeah. um, no one it, can really make you do something except for yourself. Totally, yeah. I mean, I it's funny because I, um, like, we were talking before 
we started recording about like I don't really drink that much anymore. It's yeah. a very rare occasion when I do. And it's funny because my stepdad was that was kind of his relationship with alcohol. He always drank like non-alcoholic beer and whatnot. Really? And, yeah. Wow. And then he, every once in a while, like you'd see him have a Bud Light or whatnot. But I've never seen the man have more than like a beer and a half, maybe two. Okay. Over the course of like a long evening. Um, and I always just thought he was such a nerd and such a square. Yeah, and but now you're like understanding. And it's like funny that it's like. And he was always just like, I just didn't like being hungover. I didn't like, I eventually I just got sick of being hungover. So I stopped yeah. drinking like that. And that's essentially what happened to me. And okay. it's like, I kind of wish I had just taken that advice five years earlier. Oh, sure. You but know? I mean, like, you have to, you have to learn. Through yeah, the you do have to learn. Totally. The, yeah. It's just, it is just funny that it's like, I always thought, I love my stepdad to death. He's like the best. I've always thought he's just a giant fucking nerd. And oh. like, as I get older, I'm just like turning into him. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to think of, did you have anything in college that were like, or any relationships with professors or anyone that kind of really helped push you oh sure I mean yeah so going to school for musical theater which is what I graduated with I mm. have a MFA for musical theater um but um there was this one professor uh Clay James he was always really really brutally honest uh -huh. and using a lot of profanities to like get us to do things yeah yeah he'd be like he would just say like uh like the c word like cunt like all the really? time yeah he would call us like guns and you're just like wow we're like in college but was he british or australian <laughs> no he was just gay and just okay lovely rainbow and it was uh, great but but um he would just be like you gotta like fucking pick up your feet you gotta like what the fuck are you doing and like he would it but that kind of stuff like stuck with us because he was just being super real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I could still hear his voice in my head like, like you're not turning right. Like what are you doing? Or like who are you talking to in the audience? Like who the fuck do you think cares right now? Like yeah. I don't know things like that. That's he, awesome. He, yeah, he was he was funny. Just character. super relatable and didn't seem like. Uh, yeah. He treated you more like like peers or whatnot than exactly. like he was talking down or like a place of power. Yeah, it was it was fun. That's really cool. Yeah, he was a really cool teacher. Um, I had a professor in college that was my screenwriting professor. He was pretty much kind of turned into my mentor, okay. Paul. I need to get him on the podcast. But cool. he, uh, it was like the only screenwriting class they taught at the school. And essentially it was like, oh, you all just have to write half of a movie each semester. So 60 pages essentially. Okay. And we would just like, you have to bring in pages four times a semester at least. And it's just a table read. So it, like fine. everyone brings in, t someone brings in 10 pages and you all sit around and you give people characters and it's like, oh, that's so and you're cool. reading it out and then you kind of critique it and, and hit, your grade is literally based on like how many times you like participate. Like he puts like a check mark each day and he's oh, like, wow. you know, because yeah, yeah. he's just like, but his whole thing was always, and I think he's Mormon, which is like, he's very left of center Mormon, okay. but he was always like, whatever, when you're critiquing and whatnot, like try and be nice, but like, like, or in your plays or your, your screenplays, or s yeah, screenplays, that's what they're called. Uh, uh -huh. He was just like, anything goes in this room. Anything yeah. goes in this room. Like, yeah. you can write whatever you like want. participating is just, like, yeah. the big thing to do. Totally. Like, and, like, it, I mean, I, we read some things out loud, out loud from people's screenplays that was just like, I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth cool. right now, you know? And, yeah. it, uh, and I can't believe it's, like, in a class, uh, yeah. you know? And it, but then you'd like, be like... no judgment. Like, yeah, like, but then, you know, when you're critiquing it, it's just like, dude, that type of language might be how you and your friends talk but that's like that's like extreme even for like kevin smith like <laughs> like you know and it's, yeah. this is coming from me who like yeah. i you know I'll, I'll say some shit you know but like he it was just like i felt very uncomfortable saying those words so okay. i just want you know things like that sure. but paul's like that doesn't affect your grade at all 
um, I don't know, he just treated us all like we were real people in the real world. That's really cool. That was a long story. No, no, say. real people in the real world and just letting your creativity like drive you, yeah. which is really cool. And I think we're all always kind of waiting for the real world to start or for adulthood to start or, yeah. or for, you know what I mean? Like we're, it's like we're waiting for something, but it's like, no, it's just, it's here. It's now. It yeah. is, it is where you are. I'm tired of the real world though. Like there's so well, many, yeah. you know, tax seasons coming up. I'm just oh, like, God. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to think about that. Uh, <laughs> but but it, yeah, real world is tough though. But going to college for me was really um, eye opening and just like, you know, just learning how to deal with like certain types of characters or people that I'll, I will meet in the real world mm -hmm. and just being ready for that. Yeah, definitely. What was your entrance into like the professional world after college? Yeah. Um, so I was I, towards the end of college. I started auditioning and really going into the city more and really trying to get a job for when I would get come out of college. And I didn't have an agent at the time. So in theater, like we have like agents and managers to like mm -hmm. help us get jobs and they'll instead of going to an open call at 5 a.m to like audition for something they'll get you a time slot for like 9 a.m yeah you know totally. um but i also did the grueling like 5 a.m wait for like four hours until they open up at nine and then like then you get, get your get name called on a list and yeah yeah um so i did a lot of that stuff and i auditioned for this one like um it was through Theater Works USA, which is something that I actually work with now with my own business, oh, which cool. I'll tell you about. Yeah. Um, but I auditioned to be a, a character in this thing, and I got cast in it, and it was like a non-equity, meaning like it wasn't like a huge like non-paid. It wasn't a huge paid opportunity, uh -huh. but it was like the experience, and we got to tour in a Sprinter van um, for like six months, and that was cool. super fun, doing like a kid's show. Yeah. So that was like my first um my first big performance. And then I auditioned for a bunch of other things that I got later on. Cool. Yeah. And is that how you eventually got a manager? And Yes. Yeah, so, like, I got that first job, and then I was like, I'm not waking up anymore that early. Then I started submitting my things after I got off of that one little six-month tour. Uh -huh. And then I was like, I'm, I need a manager at this point. So then I, I got a manager to work with me. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And, uh, and so it just kind of been jumping from – from job to job yeah until... at that point i was just like an actor singer mm -hmm. and i was just going from one show to the next show like cool. never knowing like what i was going to be cast in next never knowing like where my next like income was going to come from yeah you know it was very fun in your 20s you're like this yeah, is cool totally. this is exciting yeah did you ever have to like do side gigs or like work at a coffee shop yeah or i mean i've been waitressing like okay since i was like 16 yeah to totally make the you know, to make ends meet. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And that's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's fun. Like people, I don't think realize that even when you're like doing these like really cool things and like doing, there's still like the in-betweens that like, it doesn't always pay enough to, yeah. you come off of a show to, yeah, and then and, you're just like, I am, I'm broke again yeah. and you need something. Or it's like, something. It's, they're not paying me when I'm not on the show. So now I yeah. gotta like, you know, yeah. we're all going paycheck and to paycheck. Exactly. And waitressing yeah. and serving and bartending is the easiest thing because you can kind of turn your mind off. Totally. And then go back into the next project, yeah. Definitely. And it's like if you're good at it or if you're capable, um, there's plenty of work and yeah. it's it's pretty good money. And yeah, so it is. You, and so you just like get into your work and get out. Yeah. It's like for me, I've always I love that bartending's a thing I can always eventually do again if I need to. I've been trying not to for a while. Yeah. I got fired from my last bartending job like three weeks before COVID hit. Oh, man. And it was, like, some dumb bullshit that I got fired over. And so I was kind of bitter. But then they closed down because of COVID. So I was like, ah, fuck you guys. Sorry. And so, <laughs> That's uh, um, yeah. And I was just like, maybe this is my sign to, like, try and, like, 
do music and other things full time, cool. you know, um, because bartending, you know, like if you're if you fall into bartending in a way that like you're just like getting complacent and you're not looking for the next job yeah. of what you want to like be catch doing. It's like catch-22. It's like you need it, but then also when you get into the world, you're like, well, now I'm kind of comfortable. Yeah. Do I want to leave again and then come back and look for a job again? Yeah. Totally. But, you know. Um, what was what was the job that you, that eventually, or like how did you eventually start playing with Gogol? Yeah, so, um, so from after doing a bunch of, I did a few off-Broadway shows, mm -hmm. which was exciting. I always thought that I wanted to be a Broadway actress, but then I got this one tour, um, American Idiot, um, the Green Day musical. Uh -huh. And then I went touring around the world for 14 months with that musical. I met Boris Pelik from oh, yeah. Gogol, um, guitar player. And then we came off of that tour, and then we were, you know, we were like together for a uh -huh. while. And then he eventually discovered Gogol Bordello. Well, not discovered. He's always known about Gogol. Yeah. But there was, like, he got asked by someone who left him, like, actually a Facebook message and said, hey, I think they're looking for a new guitar player. Uh, you Are you interested? And at the time, Boris was waitress. He was bartending, and uh -huh. I was waitressing. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to audition for this thing. He auditioned. He eventually got into Gogol. And then I was just, like, as the girlfriend back then, I was around a lot. Uh -huh. I would go on tours. I would go see them. I would hang out. And Eugene, um, the lead singer of Gogol, he always knew that I was a singer, but I always kind of kept my distance. I was like, he knows I'm a singer. I'm not going to like start singing around him just to prove that yeah. I can sing um, until unless unless he comes to me. And then one day he did come to me. He said, hey, I thinking, I'm thinking of starting to demo some songs for some pretty big artists. Would you be interested in singing some of them so I could send them out? like uh -huh. some of the songs that he was written. Um, and I was like, uh, yeah, of course, I would love to. So we started kind of collaborating on that a bit. And then eventually it led to him being like, hey, I have this song for Gogol. I could really use your voice on it. Do you want to like come on stage and sing on this one song? Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. And then that was kind of history. So Very that was like cool. six years ago. Cool. Yeah. That's uh, That's got to be such a trip to like um, – it was weird because from musical theater, being an actor, and then going into like a rock band world. Yeah, and you'd never played in bands before, no, really. No, not because I didn't want to. Just like in my school, there, yeah. there just wasn't anyone playing a band. Yeah. So like, or starting one. So I, I kind of felt like, do I fit into Gogol? Mm -hmm. And like, Gogol's a bunch of like misfits, and yeah. we're all just like coming together to like form a family and everyone has their own story and who comes from where and what country. And I was kind of like, well, I, in the heart of it, I really do belong here because I'm adopted and I'm looking for my family and I'm looking to like create my own family and create mm -hmm. my own thing and figure out who I am. So in that aesthetic, I was like, I totally belong. But then I was like, but voice wise, do I? And I've always kind of felt like my voice was a little bit more raw than the theater world. Mm -hmm. So like, no, I think I do fit in Gogol. And then Gogol, when we, when we perform on stage, it is super theatrical. Like, yeah. there's so many elements. We have costume changes, and we have, we we dance, and we move, and it's just like we're telling a story. It's all about storytelling, storytelling, and it's about the the, the hero's journey, and which mm -hmm. Eugene takes throughout the whole show. So it's like, this is more theatrical than anything. And, yeah. like, I totally fit into this mm -hmm. camp, so. Yeah, it's, it's one of those uh, amazing things where, like, um, because everybody doesn't fit, everybody does fit. Or, yeah. or, you know, it's like the misfit thing. You yeah. Know? And there's definitely so like cool. a lot of people that wouldn't fit because they don't really, you know, not, I don't know, but like I feel like there's like 
your day-to-day regular ass people that are not going to fit in a group like that but then there's like certain types of people that would like mesh well and whatnot exactly yeah and we're all super passionate when it comes to our own stuff and then when we come together it's just like this chaotic wonderful bubble that we create on stage that Mm -hmm. like transforms into something that is super life-changing for other people in the audience it's like so much fun to be a part of that's very cool i was doing um you know jeff shot a bunch of footage while y'all were on tour and i did a little bit of editing for crazy in the brains and uh and so i got to see a lot of the live footage and whatnot from y'all performing and crazy in the brains performing and i'm just like i haven't seen it in person but it was like it was just like oh dang i have to see the show and i've seen videos i've known about gogo for Seeing a video, not to say yeah. that like no, totally. seeing a video is yeah. totally different than the live. 100%. The live show is just like I remember seeing the live show for the first time when Boris first entered, mm-hmm. and I was just coming to see it, and I had like tears in my eyes. I was like, "This is the coolest live show I've yeah. ever seen!" And oh my god, it's just like it takes you out of your own skin. Like yeah. you don't feel like I have to be a certain way. I have to be rigid. You're just like just having fun, being who you are. It's awesome. That's very cool. I I definitely the next time y'all are in Brooklyn, I'm gonna yeah, try and try and make it to sure. that if I'm in town. That's always the hard part is, you know, when you're traveling a lot, catching the bands that you like exactly is yeah difficult. Um, so cool that uh, you were able to join Gogol and like or the what we were talking about about like these this family of, of misfits sometimes like a bar staff can can kind of feel that way sure you know where it's like y'all come together and it's just like this you know that's why there's TV shows and movies about yeah. groups like that because it's all these weird characters that yeah. just like make it through brunch I'm uh, actually writing a TV show oh, right really? now about cool. um, all the misfits in Astoria oh cool yeah. so you're you're also a writer you also yeah. write I mean I just feel like when you're creative, like, yeah. if it doesn't work one avenue, you're like, all right, well, I'll try this way, I'll try this way, or, like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's great. When there's so many, like, so many ideas work better in different medias yeah. than, um, you know, like, that same screenwriting teacher I told you about, he would used to say, like, great books make for bad movies and bad books make for great movies. It makes so much sense, You know, because sure. it's, like, it's like, you can't, fit war and peace into a, like a two and a half <laughs> even three hour film it's right. gonna it's just gonna fall on its face right um but you can take like a little pulp fiction novel and turn it into like a full or a pulp fiction western and turn it hondo i guess is like a louis l'amour book that i read when i was a kid and okay. then it's like a a john wayne film and whatnot and i know cool. john wayne and all that western bullshit is kind of, of pro- problematic and <laughs> bullshit it's weird to be like raised on this this whole cowboy culture or whatnot uh-huh. and then to grow up and be like pretty leftist and like dig a little deeper and you're like oh that shit was all like really appropriated yeah. and problematic and like all this stuff that it's like that's why you i went to film all- school was because yeah. i loved westerns you know and then now that's i'm like cool. it's like hard to watch them because sure. i'm like oh this is all so fucking not good yeah <laughs> but it, it was nostalgic for that time totally yeah yeah but it's i mean it's also that's like a whole other thing of like uh like John Wayne and the whole cowboy culture of America or like of Hollywood is like all fake and manufactured. It's yeah. not real at all. Sure. Yeah. It, um, but that's a, that's a that's topic another for another <laughs> podcast. Um, so, um, yeah, tell me more about like the other things that you like to do creatively when you're, you know, like you say, you're writing. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. So 
I'm writing a yeah I'm writing um, a screenplay. But other than that, I also have this um, project called Be True to You, mm-hmm. which is a anti-bullying program that cool. I created. And I when I'm not on tour with Gogol, I am touring that around the tri-state area in schools. That's awesome. Um, and I created that when I was in American Idiot. So kind of a few years before I joined Gogol, I was coming off of the tour. And I was figuring out, well, what am I going to do next after this? Of course, probably go back to waitressing, audition for the next big show or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then my mom, who was a kindergarten teacher, she said to me, like, you know, you've always been really good with kids. Why don't you think about doing some kind of, like, show in schools? Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to work in one school particularly. Like, I'm kind of like a gypsy in that heart. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to, like, roam around. And then she's like, well, if you do an assembly program, you can go into one school, do your show, and then, like, go into another school, do your show. I was like, that's a cool idea. And I don't know about you. Did you have assembly programs in school? Like, Yeah. Okay, but, like, I feel like for me, I had a guy that would come on guitar who was, like, not really great at guitar and, like, kind of, like, kind of lame. Yeah, we would, I mean... Especially because, like, where I grew up yeah. is, like, kind of middle of nowhere, mountains of Arizona. We got, like, we had the power team come to our high school the once. power team. And the power <laughs> team's, like, a bunch of weightlifters for Jesus. And, like, what? how they were in my my high school legally <laughs> is, like, yeah, it's, like, they used to, like, tear phone books in half and, and like, in the name like, of Jesus? Yeah, for with the power of Jesus. And they came to my public <laughs> high school. It's like bullshit, and, I, and I'm still angry about it. I remember being at that assembly, and I was like kind wow. of r- religious still, okay. but also being like, this is bullshit. This is like, you can't, this is illegal. You can't be doing this. Um, like, it was obvious that they were trying to say like, Oh, just like don't do drugs and stuff like that. But then like they like accidentally like use one of their Jesus lines from like one of their because like they were performing in the community like that okay. next weekend or something. I don't know. This is amazing to me. Yeah, things like that. <laughs> so like funny. I don't know. I'm sure we got more. We we definitely had some like cool like people coming through, okay. but not. Please well, one, tell me more about yes, what you do. One, I'm gonna have to look that name up because that's just the power team. The, yeah, you're they gonna have to look it dude, up, dude. It's uh, what's funny is like I know people. I've met people who who were, like, born-again Christians who were, like, saved, like, decided to get born again at, like, a, a at power team wow. thing. And I'm, like, I'm just, is, like... I have to... I'm very intrigued I'm, about yeah, this. You know, it's, like, I don't want to judge because, like, if, if no, Jesus sure. is what if makes you get them, through, you know? Great. But it's, like, a bunch of just, like assholes like tearing phone books in half and being like on steroids made you want to like be born again with jesus i'm wow. like oh well, my god i thank Sorry. you for giving me that little bit <laughs> yeah. of information today on a tuesday that's wonderful <laughs> but um i always felt like the people that came to my school it was like one dude who just mm-hmm. like sang off tune and just couldn't really play that well and i was like i, o- I always felt like i could always do something like this i could mm-hmm. i could put on a show so I thought about that guy, and I was like, well, I definitely don't want to be lame. I definitely want to put on something that is meaningful. And then I was thinking about, like, well, what is something that I can relate to this day with kids? And then I thought, you know, I I was adopted, so I'm still trying to figure out, like, the puzzle pieces and where they all go. And I always was thinking, like, well, I'm still learning how to be true to myself, and who am I? And then I was like, kids are just discovering how to be true to themselves. They have no idea. Maybe they need someone, a mentor. I wish I had someone like that. Mm-hmm. And then it all kind of fit. So then I created the show Be True to You, uh-huh. which is a 50-minute like Broadway musical, of course, because I 
I'm a Broadway person. Mm -hmm. So um, I go into schools. I teach kids about the power of respect and about how to believe in themselves and confidence and self-love. And um, I have a DJ who is a bumblebee, and his name is Biddy the Bee. Uh So he's the acronym B-T-T-Y, Biddy. And then I'm Toby, and then I have this blue, colorful wig. I'm this, like, bubbly, like, kind of like an anime-y kind of character. Mm -hmm. Then I have a bee, and the whole premise is that we get a letter anonymously from someone at that person's school who has a question about how do I fit in? The, the new school year is starting. What do I do to make friends? Um, and then we come in with like advice for that kid. But through the advice that we give, I run into problems about myself and my character. Biddy runs into problems. He talks about how he was bullied because he's half bee and half human. Uh-huh. And kids thought he was weird. And being weird is, you know, they thought being weird is different. Mm-hmm. I teach them that being weird is cool. And then we go through our own arcs. I lose my voice. I get my voice back with the help of the audience. We have dance parties, all original songs that I wrote for kids. And then um, we have this character called Shadow Cat. And every time I get anxious and have a bad feeling, this like shadow persona comes around me. Uh-huh. It's showing kids that like the scary element of anxiety, but then yeah. how to overcome it. It's yeah. like, it's a really powerful That's show. That's so cool. It's really amazing. Oh, you're making me want to watch this. Thanks. Uh, yeah. It's really, really cool. And uh, we actually just pitched to Nickelodeon last year. We're still waiting to hear back. Cool. Because I wrote another TV show idea for them. And um, it's amazing. So I've incorporated like just my my feelings of being lonely as a kid and mm-hmm. like being adopted and feeling like I didn't fit in. Like I never want another kid to feel like that. I want them to feel like they have a safe environment, a safe space, someone to talk to. Yeah. And all of that I do through the power of music because yeah. I'm a musician. So Yeah, that's yeah. that's so cool. That's such a such a cool thing to do with your Thanks. time and talent and, and so it's inspiring. So, it's so fun. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Um because those are all it's those are all things that that are like we all deal with and we all and like it I mean self-love and how to be like kind to yourself and yeah. um, I mean I was 32 years old before I was finally able to like get a hold of like my internal dialogue and right, getting it yeah. to be like dude you need to be nice to yourself you yeah. need to not be like calling yourself a dumb piece of shit like 30 times a day I'm still learning how to be nice to myself like I am now my resolution was to to love myself more to get back into the gym to take care of my body and I'm starting to do that but it's still at 35 years old I'm still learning how to like teach myself to like do things that will help me yeah it's it's hard when it's like I mean it it's just hard to it's hard to do those things, it you know. Really is. It, it's really hard to kind of advocate for yourself sometimes, and yeah. it's hard to realize that like how the best thing you can do for yourself today or in this moment is like get on your yoga mat or wh- whatever your thing is, me- going on a run. Yeah, yeah, mindfulness, like all of the and all these things, they kind of they all stack up, and and it and it turns into like an actual fortress of like being able to deal with like all the really hard shit. Yeah. That for me, for like years, a lot of my growing up or like my 20s and whatnot was like oh i just dealt with everything by just getting fucked up and like drinking and and whatnot because it was like oh at least i can just turn all this anxiety and just turn it all off for the night or it's like time travel so i can just turn it off and black out and then wake up tomorrow and deal with it then yeah you know and hopefully some of it's gone you know hopefully the bad thoughts are gone yeah exactly exactly the bad thoughts will still be in there so you have to really just train 
yourself to just really love yourself and to get rid of those self talk yeah. self negative thoughts. Yeah. And all those little things of of being, you know, like whether it's uh um like every time you do go to the gym or you do like decide to eat something a little healthier or like those little things, like I said, they just all, they add, all add up, up and, yeah. it, and it's just like, and it makes it all easier. Yeah. Um, that's the thing that I, and I, and it's, it's really like important, I think to, at least I've noticed, um, cause like in the past few years, I've really kind of focused a lot on, on more trying to be healthy and take care sure. of myself and whatnot. And <laughs> excuse me, I've noticed though that it's important to understand that it all ebbs and flows too. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, sometimes you're just not gonna like work out for a week or so. And that's you know? okay. Sometimes you need those lulls and those totally. those bad days to to recover and. But it's it's weird that like every time I remember, and I'm trying to tell myself this now so that the next time. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, every time I remember to be like, just go on a run. Yeah. You know, I'm like ten minutes into that run, and I'm like. Oh yeah, this is what I needed to do for sure. a few days. But to get to that yeah. run takes forever. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's, it's hard to get you there. Yeah. Um, what was? Did you have some sort of spark that's kind of like led you to kind of try and be more like self-loving and? Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, with COVID in general, <coughs> um, I just Sorry. feel like no, you're good. I just feel like um, there were so many like missed opportunities because of COVID and I, there were so many moments where I was like, am I ever going to be able to perform again? And I'm mm -hmm. sure you had that feeling yeah. as well. And then Google went on a hiatus for a while. And I was like, with my kids show, I couldn't go back into schools. And I was just like, I was really depressed yeah. for a really long time. And then, um, I feel like something that kind of helped me, like that gave me hope was the fact that like when virtual things started happening, mm -hmm. I turned my show into a virtual show mm -hmm. and I and I realized that there's still a lot of things that I could like I could still connect with a lot of kids that mm -hmm. way and that kind of gave me hope and then that, that kind of gave me more of like another reason to like continue to write more songs um, and then through not just with my children's program and not just with Google but I felt like you know like I as my 35 year old self like there's a lot of things that I am still struggling with being true to myself and not to write another kids program about it but now I have my adult music as well and I say adult music I feel like it sounds stupid to say like I have my after dark show and yeah. then I have my kids show but um, I just started writing more from people my age I guess uh -huh. as well and that really helped me and kind of therapied me in a way to to love myself more yeah totally that's um, it's so powerful and it's like, I don't think I ever realized that like how songwriting was my therapy. You know, I, I think I kind of knew, but I didn't, I don't think I understood stood how it worked. I just yeah. it helped me work out my thoughts and, and things I was dealing with. But now you look back and it's like, as you're, um, like creating, you're creating, like you're putting pieces of yourself out there and you're, you're, uh, planting these seeds that are going to grow. And, and it's like, and inherently, like the the belief in in growth and the belief in uh, um, that's your worth, like your ideas are worth putting out sure. there, yeah. is inherently an act of self love. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to do that because it it's like such it's, it's so terrifying. close to you and it's, it's a piece so, of yourself. So vulnerable, yeah. Like I feel like I'm vulnerable in so many other ways. Like when I'm on stage with Gogol, 
I like off stage, I'm more like timid and I'm a little bit more introverted. Mm -hmm. Then I get on stage with Google and I'm like a different beast. I'm yeah. like a beast on stage. That's awesome. And then I do my kids show and I, I feel the power in it. And I see the kids faces and like some of these kids have never seen a show before, like mm -hmm. ever in their lives. So I, I know the power of that. And I feel like they understand it. But now doing my adult stuff on my solo side, mm. I feel it's a little bit more scary. Like yeah, I have a totally. show coming up soon and I'm like terrified. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm like so scared. Um, it's going to be great, but I'm you, scared. What do you do in those? Like, what do you do differently to deal with those nerves? Yeah. Well, um, I haven't done my own solo stuff in a few years, so I guess I could tell you in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like what I'm going to do, but, um, I do have, so it's not just me on stage. It's my, um, producer. Sorry. I'm going to, this stopped recording, yep. and I kind of really want to record this because we're talking about the show you've got. Yes. So, sorry, it just stopped No, you're good. <clears throat> I don't think we missed too much, so. Cool. But this is the good stuff. Yes, the good stuff. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, sorry, let me check. No, you're good. Okay. 40 minutes. Um, okay. Now I remember where I was. Okay. So I'm just saying how, um, how I'm getting, how like the therapying myself. Yeah. Um, and how about, and how writing music makes you super vulnerable. And I feel like when I've done Gogo Bordello, I'm super vulnerable in a different way. Like when I'm off stage, I'm very introverted. When I'm on stage, I'm a beast with Gogol. Yeah. And then when I do my kids' show, I truly see on their faces like the impact that my show is making, yeah. which is amazing. And that makes me, teary-eyed and everything mm -hmm. but I know that they're gaining something so I know that they're listening to the words that I've been that I've been writing yeah but then with my own adult show like I have a show coming up next week and I am like super terrified about it because yeah I haven't done my own live adult music yeah. since like pre-covid okay so I'm a little nervous about how it will be received mm-hmm I think it'll be received well. Like I'm a, I know that I'm a good songwriter. It's just like I haven't done it in a while. So the confidence behind that for totally. me is a little like, yeah, I, I, I can relate to that on a, on a handful of levels. But even like I'm sure you know when I when I tour, I don't really because I when I tour solo, I don't really like practice because I've been just playing these right? songs for like ten years. Like yeah. it's like I mean some of them are newer, but like yeah. me by myself on stage is just like second nature, okay. you know? Yeah. But I'll get on show one of a tour and be like, I am not prepared for this, right? you know? I'm like so And by nervous. show three, I'm like yeah. kicking ass, yeah. you know? not the venue anymore, unfortunately. It used to be called Trump Space. It was like the Gilman of Phoenix. Okay. Fucking dope. Like Matt and Kim played there before they were anybody. Yeah. AJ like got that place going way cool. back in the day. The very first solo show I ever played was at the Trump Space. Thanks, you too. So Bikini Lounge was the bar. Bikini Lounge. Oh, really? Such a funny name. Yeah, I... Uh, my, yeah, I'd, my old band was supposed to play a show, and we broke up, and it was, like, far enough out that I was like, I'll just play solo. And I was the bass player in that band. I never, Whoa. I had never really played before, so I did, like, cool. a, a couple originals and, like, a couple, like, Garth Brooks covers. And, you I know, love Garth so, Brooks growing cool. up. My dad loved Garth Brooks. Yeah, that was, like, I was so raised on Garth Brooks. So when you said Achy, well, I mean, Achy Breaky Heart is, yeah. Is, uh, is Miley's dad. Billy, Billy Ray. Billy yeah. Ray. But those but, two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that and George Strait, you know, yeah. Radio Country is, like, what I, I was raised Billy on. Billy Ray was, like, my first <clears throat> concert. 
Really? Yeah, I like in like Atlantic City. Like okay. they, there was like in one of those like show ballroom places. Yeah. My dad was a huge fan, so we went, and I didn't know any of the songs. So I'm not a country person, yeah. but when that song came on, I was standing up. Yeah, I was people excited. went nuts. Yeah, That's, I bet it was insane. <laughs> it was great. I have this friend Sean who plays fiddle. He lives in St. Louis. And last time I saw him, he was like, you know what? Nobody ever covers Achy Breaky Heart. He's like, I want to hear a good cover of Achy Breaky yeah. Heart. And like, he's like, Chuck, you got to do, you got to cover Achy Breaky Heart. So I owe him a cover of that song. Cool. So well, I guess at some point I will it. try. Yeah, maybe, maybe we could collab. <gasps> I do love that yeah. song. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. I listened to it after we were talking about that. And I was like, this song is definitely like, even I, who was so young when it was huge. Yeah. I hear it and I'm like, oh, I've heard this song too many times in my life. Right? You know, like because yeah. it was just, we it was just everywhere that, forever that and yeah. for like ten years. Like probably it was probably came out before we were born. Yeah. But it had just been on the radio forever. Right. It's like that killer, Which, like Mr. Brightside or something yeah, like that. You yeah. know, uh, even though the killer's way better than Billy Ray. Well, for um, uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the weird thing about listening to it a few months ago for the first time since I was like yeah. a very young child. I guess I'll listen to it in the car ride home. Yeah, you should. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm like sorry, PTSD we. About it. But we got kind of a little distracted. Um, I'm definitely gonna leave the the country Billy Ray Cyrus in. Please, to the, that was uh, fun. But uh, now that the ATM has money in it, uh, <laughs> we can continue. <laughs> we can continue. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you're you're uh, we're we were talking about how you're super nervous about this this solo sh- or not yeah. solo show about this uh, your like your show coming up. Please, yeah. let's. I just feel like because I've been doing the so I do the Google thing and then mm. I've been doing my kids thing and now I'm trying to like be like no I'm like an adult artist uh-huh. but like I just feel like saying adult artist is silly. Yeah, that is what's well, that sounds like you're making like like, like a porno adult or something right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm definitely not doing uh, that but, but like um, well I mean it's like I'm still figuring out what well, to like, say I just call it. I mean, dance, pop music, dance or, or pop, club yeah. music, or bar music, or you know, because yeah. like, it's. But one thing I will say, and I don't, I don't know a ton of kids. I've got some nephews, you know, but like that's a small sample size. Sure. Uh, but I feel like kids are a much tougher audience than drunk people. See, I know you're saying that, but I feel so much more comfortable in front of kids. Yeah, but and then that's... I play a show. But then I play like ninety thousand people with Google. so it's yeah. like I don't know where the mentality is coming from. Well, because you're the. I get it. Like you're the front person. Yeah. It's like a. It's a different. Like the eyes are supposed to be on you, and yeah. it's a different situation. I know with kids, it's that's probably the case with your show, but kids seem easier. But like I think, I think kids are less likely to just watch and pay attention just because they're being nice. Like sure. if you're not entertaining them, and and like what they will do is they will pay it if you're doing a good job. They will eat up every word you say, exactly. and they will like take it all in and yeah. it sounds like that's the experience you have yeah um but if you weren't engaging and entertaining they probably wouldn't be paying attention or at least there'd be a good s- right amount of them that aren't you know yeah for sure so i think and i get i don't know i think you're gonna you're gonna kill it because Thanks. i'm excited people, and mercury lounge is such a great venue and yeah please tell yes uh, um so about, february 9th uh yeah. at mercury lounge doors are opening at nine i have one of my uh good friends river hooks she's playing before mm-hmm. me this other amazing singer who um i used to do backups with andy grammer and like rachel platten uh-huh um, i know andy and, grammer i know that name yeah for yeah. sure he did um uh Nah, nah, honey, I'm good. I don't know, like a bunch of other things. I can't think of them right now. But um, 
So her name is Miranda Joan, and she's playing After River, and then I'm going up with um, my writing team and recording label, um, Internet and Weed. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, do you know about what time you're going to go up? Um, I am going, I'm going to be hitting stage at 10.30. Okay, because yeah. uh, I, I have the Charles and Carl's rooftop yes. hoot nanny in yeah. Bushwick that night. What Boris is, is actually playing that too. Oh my gosh! So, yes, uh, I was. It's so funny because I was like, "Of course, Boris comes back from Guatemala. I haven't seen him, and of course, we're playing the same, the same night. night." Yeah, and it's. I'm, like, Damn. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's okay. But that's so cool. But um, yeah, we'll like. I'm just like, if I can make it over, I, I really sure. want to catch you. That would be really cool. Thanks. Well, I'm excited yeah. because I know that we're going to be doing some stuff here at Bar Frida as well uh -huh. with um, Internet and Weed. We're going to be doing like a roster party. Yeah. Um, I think the first Tuesday of every month, starting in April. Cool. And then I'm also doing, I'm playing a show here, um, When the Live Survives Photography oh, cool. Night Ends, uh, March 15th, I think that is. Nice. Um, so I feel like from starting, like I haven't really performed that much of my own adult, mm -hmm. of my own dance pop yeah, music, yeah. but now I'm making a, an effort to like really like play out. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, there'll be lots of opportunities to catch you in the city. I'm yeah, missing. I'm really excited. And my crew consists of um, my DJ producer, and then I have my other producer on keys and guitar, and then just me. Uh -huh. so. How did you get... Uh, how did you start working with them? Um, yeah, so kind of long story short, um, Eugene, right before COVID, like a year before COVID, was starting a solo project for his own solo album. Mm -hmm. He invited me to sing on um, multiple songs, and it was at their studio up in Harlem. Okay. And um, I met um, Alap and Merck, who are the producers of MRC Rhythms, and they are the Internet and Weed label. Uh -huh. And I went in recording on Eugene's stuff and then Eugene went to the bathroom and he's like and then a lap was like I love your voice like do you do like pop like music at all and I was like yeah that's what I do and he's like we're gonna talk after this yeah. <laughs> so then like Eugene left and then he's like we have to work together so every Wednesday since that year we've been doing Ash Wednesdays and we always have studio sessions oh cool and they've been recording all of my stuff I go to them they give me beats I write on their beats and very cool. It's really fun. That's exciting. So now we're starting the our actual live stuff together. Really cool. Yeah. Oh, that, that's awesome. Yeah. That, I've always dreamed of, um, like, I think the cool, like, the, my, my dream job ever since I was probably, ever since I was, like, in college and I started smoking weed uh -huh. was, like, just working with people who produce, like, hip-hop and, and like, like, beats and stuff like yeah. that. Because I'm, like, it'd just be so fun to just, like... So do you Just work like with someone like that now, or no, I don't. Well, then you should. Chat yeah, with them. definitely. I would. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I would because I've always been like it'd just be like the most fun. I don't know if they smoke weed, but I just they always do. Imagined internet it'd weed. Be like, I mean, oh yeah, internet. They're weed. also growing their yeah. own. So I like, always, in their house. I just always imagine it'd be like the most fun thing ever to just sit around and like smoke weed and just like make beats all day. That's why I ordered it, that drum machine. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna start messing with that. That's so cool. I, I have like a whole other project in mind that I want to try and do, fun. but like I don't know if I have time for. This. I mean, it's so hard to. Even things. if you can find a, a day or a night to give it a try, you yeah, know, just totally. to see how it goes. I actually want to start experimenting with playing like a drum pad uh -huh. because when I'm in Google, I play the drum. Oh, cool. So, which is super fun. And I want to kind of incorporate that somehow into mine because I want to, even though I have a DJ, I'm, I'm from the band world. I'm not from the band world, but with Google, I'm in the band world. Yeah, you've spent a good chunk of the past decade doing that. Exactly. So, I really want to incorporate a lot of live elements into uh -huh. my band. So, um, but I feel like it'd be fun for me to play the drum pad. My, fr I have a friend who uh, lives in LA. She's a DJ and um, just 
phenomenal, or she's a performer, phenomenal person named Bianca, B-I-I-A-N-C-O. Okay. And, um, and I, I, I'm just going to say they because I don't remember their pronouns. Sure. Exactly. Sure, uh, yeah. Um, we go way back, and uh, uh, but they do a lot of that stuff, and I, I'll just, before, when Please, we're done, you, yeah. I'll, you should follow them on, uh, on like, TikTok and whatnot. Oh, I love that. It's like these videos where i don't know it's really impressive stuff and like incorporating a lot of different scents and and producing and working with i don't know it's really really cool stuff and i think you might be able to get some ideas with the drum pads because she'll be like performing live and like doing like beats like that and then loop that and then she'll like do another thing on like a synth and i don't know it's it's that's so cool see that's the thing like i'm still i'm still developing my dance pop band because Because, like I said, like we did one show before COVID, and then COVID mm-hmm. hit. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. There's so much. I'm very excited. So about much it. to be. 2023. To learn and ha- yeah, I yeah. think uh, 2022 was not horrible, but it, wasn't horrible. it was also not great. Um, <laughs> I feel like 2023 is solid. I feel yeah, like it's gonna be. I'm good. feeling good about it. I yeah. don't want to. I'm gonna knock on wood because yes, I don't want to jinx anything. All the wood uh, in the world. Because like, it's like. Oh man, someone the other day was like, Can you believe it's just been kind of a nonstop bullshit since like twenty twenty? And I was like, Since twenty sixteen. Do you yeah. not remember? <laughs> I know. Like and it's crazy yeah. that was seven years ago. I know. So like like life has Harambe been really was rocky. killed all around seven years ago. Yeah. Life has been rocky for a while. Since Harambe was killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Uh yeah, damn. So <laughs> it's got to turn around at some point. It has to. Our know. luck has to. Either that or late stage capitalism and global cha- global warming and everything like that. We'll just, just fuck everything up. It's just going to keep getting exactly. worse and worse and worse. So but at least the, the winters the in New York right are kind of mild. The thing. Oh, the, it is mild, <laughs> yeah. but it's supposed to be going down to like below freezing this weekend, which I'm uh, not, really? not happy about. But that's the other thing. It's winter right now, and I just hate the winter. Depressive, yeah. you know, musicians. I, I'm like trying to get out of the, the rut. Yeah, it's a hard time. I definitely, uh, I know I'm doing better this time than I was last year. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> you're good. Was, you're good. <coughs> it's just funny to be like, I know I'm doing better. I, was, I yeah. am. <laughs> well, I know I'm doing better than I was a year ago. Okay. Just be based on where I was a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, it's just like a rough time of year, you know? Yeah. You're just waiting for the sun to come back out and um, to, to, you know, not be walking around like this all the time with your with like your jackets, uh, your, your layers, your tension your scarf. And exactly. Whatnot. Yeah. It's like something I have to remind myself all the time is when you're walking around and it's cold and you're all tense because it's cold. It's like you're not warming yourself up. You're just making your back hurt later. Yeah. You know, like it's not helping with dealing with the cold at all. Just relax. No, it's not. Let exact- your shoulders down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, we're always yeah. so tense and totally. anxiety ridden in winter. Yeah. And then for us with Google, we're not going back out on tour until like end of May. Okay. So I'm just kind of like, what am I doing with my yeah. life? Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard thing to s- when you're used to being on the road and whatnot. Because I always say I can deal with New York City. I love the city. I don't know if I really belong here, but mm-hmm. if I get to leave a lot, it just works. Yeah, and then um, you come back and you're like, oh, I love it again. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. there's no place in the world to come home to, at least that I've experienced. I only live three places, so what do I know? Sure. But uh, <laughs> then New York City. Like, coming home, like I'll fly into JFK after being gone for like a week or two, and then... Oh, I like, see the sights when I'm... When that airplane yeah. is going down, I'm just like, oh, God, this and is Just home. hearing people while you're waiting for a cab. Yeah. Like the, I remember this woman with, yeah, this woman with, like, a very thick, like, Jamaican accent just being, like, like directing the cabs and the, the 
the people oh, yeah, coming like at in the airport at yeah. the airport and just being like, and I was like, oh. Welcome back great, to right? New York City. Then people start you know? pushing you again. I'm yeah. just like, oh, thanks it's so like, much. It's like, here I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm getting mad at people for walking slow and <laughs> But whatnot. honestly, like touring all over the world with Gogol, it's just like there are so many major cities that mm-hmm. close down at certain times and like yeah. restaurants are not open. You literally can't, like in Paris or like in, in, in uh, Italy, like there's places like you just legit can't get food. And yeah. it's just like New York City is like the only city totally. in the world. Well, Tel Aviv too, but New York City, like where you can really just at any time, like really. grab grub somewhere. Or, yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. And the, uh, I was talking with my roommate about this recently. Is like post COVID, it's like less so. Uh-huh. Like starts places starting to kind of open up, but in my neighborhood, like a lot of the late night spots. Are still Either closed. They're closed, right? or, or they, they didn't do late. They don't do late night anymore. Yeah, the hours have been yeah. majorly cut back. Yeah, so, so it is has it has changed a lot. But yeah. I can't imagine how much worse it is in other cities. Yeah, it's just it's different. Well, you mentioned Tel Aviv. I've I've I'm not I'm more traveled than the average American, but I've not been like tons of places. Uh-huh. What what is Tel Aviv like? Oh, it's just like a party <laughs> city. It's really? Just, yeah. Well, first of all, the people are beautiful. Like, the food is amazing. And literally, bars don't close until, like, the last person will leave that bar. Really? So, like, if the person doesn't leave until, like, 6, they're, like... I hate they're, to like, a bartender. I know. I would never want a bartender. No but they would leave at, like, 6. The bartenders probably do a lot of drugs, though. So it's probably Because, like, time. how else could you stay I up all those hours? I don't see bartender night long. Hello? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So I would not want to. I mean, I didn't even stay up all night long, and I used to do a lot of drugs while bartending. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so. exactly. So I definitely wouldn't want to work at a restaurant, but it's yeah. cool to be a part of a city that can go totally. super late. That's but, cool. But um, yeah, it's a it's that it's a really beautiful what, city. What is? Do you have like a favorite city to perform in or to visit when you're um, on the road with? Google? Honestly, Tel Aviv is like one of my really? favorite cities. Um, we actually just played um, in Israel. We played at this like Athens. Um, like outdoor arena, mm-hmm. which was like gorgeous. It was insanely beautiful. Um, but also we played in Turkey, which oh, was cool. really cool. I've never been to Turkey, and just to see the sights there was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we played like everywhere in like Germany, and we've played in like Norway and Switzerland is really cool. Yeah. 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 I do. I do really love Switzerland. The air quality is amazing. Uh huh. You could take a deep breath there and. Yeah, I was in Switzerland. I I was in Europe at last in 2009. I'm supposed to okay. go in April, May if my Europe tour doesn't get postponed again or well, canceled. I uh, hope it doesn't. Yeah, I hope yeah. so too. Um, but yeah, the time I s- spent in Switzerland was was very cool. We like my sister and I were in this mountain town in the middle of the, the Alps. Yeah. Uh, and we got to this the only hostel in town and there was like one bed left. Oh my God. And so I like let my sister have it and I was like, can I just like, I had a sleeping bag with me because I was like, can I just sleep in the yard? Yeah. They're like, yeah, sleep, really? sleep wherever you want. I don't care. And so, great. <laughs> so I just like, just camped in the yard, woke up to like the sunrise oh, over wow. like the Alps and Isn't like, like covered in dew and just like the most gorgeous place I've, yeah. Just like this storybook, like little village. Doesn't it look like you've been to like Disney World and uh-huh. stuff, right? It looks like uh, Epcot. Yeah, I haven't right? been to Disney World. I just, I've been to Disneyland, so like okay, the Matterhorn. Okay, it just looks like like when like all the little countries that they uh-huh. create in Epcot. It looks exactly like out of a storybook. Yeah. from Disney World. It, I, I, I gotta go back so bad. It's amazing, but yeah, uh, traveling is just. It's, it's the, the best. best. I, I mean, it. that's kind of what in some ways got me into playing music. Like, I, obviously, I've always loved playing music uh-huh. and. Uh, but I kind of realized at a certain point, it's like, well, I just want to travel. Like the last time I was in Europe, I think was it. Like my old band had broken up. I was like going back to school after a year of like touring and sure. like like getting a taste of like 
that yeah. life. And uh, I was going back to school, and I, I went to Europe for, like, and traveled for, like, a while that summer before school Ooh, started and yeah. kind of was, like, whatever that was, like, backpacking and just, like, living on the road and just yeah. meeting people and just going with the flow whatever that is, I want to spend as much of my life as possible doing that. Exactly. I feel like for people that don't get to do it, I just, I hope at some point in their life they're able to travel and especially totally. go to Europe because it's just so eye-opening mm-hmm. and it's just, it's beautiful and there's so much culture. Yeah. It's just well, one of the best things. Yeah, no, and that's uh, something, I think it'd be so good for the world. It's obviously expensive and it's like... Sure, like, like we're like very fortunate if you totally. are in a band to be able to travel, obviously. Yeah. and like, not everyone can experience that, but... <clears throat> There's this band, American Aquarium, and the singer's name is B.J. Barnum. And I saw, long story to say, I saw a tweet from him uh-huh. that he's from, like, they're like a kind of red dirt country band. They, they like, kind of made a name for them. They're from North Carolina <laughs> and made a name for themselves really in the Texas, Oklahoma, like, okay. red dirt scene. Okay. You know, which is, like, a very specific blue-collar, like, type of people, people yeah. you know? And he'll get in sometimes, like, Twitter beefs with people because he's very progressive and okay. and pretty leftist and and whatnot and sure. and while, I remember while living in that area yeah, yeah and I remember a tweet from him being like oh you all f- like because like there's a lot of artists in that vein that like there a lot of their fan base is like you need to stick to the music and stop talking politics and what sorry his tweet essentially was like isn't it kind of amazing that all your favorite singers that travel the world and meet all kinds of people are like are leftists and tell you like how America really isn't that great and there's a lot of things that need to change because we've seen where like how it can be different. Yeah, and they're like, you don't know anything. No, exactly. exactly. It's like my, I love my grandma to death. She's she's my grandma. I fucking love her. Yeah. I, I worry about her every single day and she worries about me every single day oh, probably. Of course, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but every time we talk about universal health care, she talks about an experience she had one time in when she went to England for work okay. in the 90s uh-huh. my grandma that was 30 fucking years ago and also your singular experience that like someone you met that worked at like she worked for a de- defense contractor the person you were dealing with who was in that world in england probably pretty right wing of course you, you know can't what i mean it's like that person saying talking shit about their healthcare system it's yeah. like this one person said bad things to you 30 years ago and now ago, that's the one thing you're holding and now on. you're, you're like, like that's the truth we can't have universal healthcare because in england it sucks yeah like, jesus christ grandma. because of that one person Come exactly on. exactly i know i've i've had some family yeah, members as well totally. having conversations like that and i i choose not to really get into it yeah. too much with them because I don't know, you ever have like those conversations where like your your opinion just starts to get like unraveled and it doesn't make sense anymore? Yeah, well, I don't know, that's how I that's how I. Am. I, f- I feel like sometimes it's like in those specific situations, like obviously universal, like everybody being able to go to the doctor is a good thing of and it should happen. Like yeah. it's twenty twenty three. We're in like a fake year, like. When I was growing up, 2023 didn't seem like it would ever exist. Right? And we're here, and we still can't go to the fucking doctor. Yeah. And it's like... We still don't all have health care. It's insane. Yeah. It's, it's insane, and it's... um. And But their basis in fighting it and, like the, the, like, the people on the other side of it are so based in non-reality and just yeah. nonsense yeah. that it's like that you start arguing with them about things, and it's like... It doesn't go anywhere. They well, don't. They don't they're, understand they're, your views. They don't. They're not on planet Earth. So like, you what? Can't do, ration, so like, you can't rationalize them. with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's like I listened to Trump say any sentence that I've ever heard him say just about, other than, uh, sorry, no. uh, but like, 
everything I've ever heard him say at a rally, it's like he's not saying anything. He's just saying words. Yeah. It's just fucking word salad. It doesn't mean fucking shit except for like there's some buzzwords and some dog whistles. Of course, but they eat it up. And people eat it up. And yeah. it's like because they. It's sad. It's scary. It's, it's Because they've been draining the public education budget for too long and giving all the money to the fucking cops. <laughs> and so everybody's fucking stupid. It's Sorry. intense. It's Sorry. intense. I'm no, it's getting, okay. Uh, <laughs> getting fired up. No, yeah, it's good. I just get so... But anyways. actually... Um, grandma. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God, Grandma. Why? Um, but no. High school football and leftist politics is just like the topics you um, want to avoid with but me. But no, there's a song that I wrote. Um, like, yes. Yeah, tie it back to you. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a song that I wrote. It's called Open Your eyes and uh-huh. it's actually something that i wrote while i was on the road with gogol for so many years mm-hmm. going to all these different countries going to like macedonia mm-hmm. and going to germany and going to bulgaria and all these places that i never even thought that i would ever enter like i always always like oh i would love to go to like paris one day let's yeah. go to italy but yeah like, totally now i've been to so many countries which is remarkable not to say that i've been able to actually go out and see all these countries well, and touring places is a lot different people than don't like understand. going they're to like, visit oh, well, places they're like oh you get to travel everywhere and i'm like yeah, yeah but i'm literally like on a bus going from the bus to the venue i have an hour after sound check got to co- get got to eat got to get back so like where do i sightsee things? yeah i might have a day off somewhere interesting but Maybe. i also have to do laundry and exactly and, and catch up on my sleep and yeah. um you know you know, not be hungover that day and just yeah. try to like, yeah, actually totally. have a day where I'm not drinking. So, uh, yeah, so it's a lot. But so I wrote this song called Open Your Eyes, which I'm really excited about. I don't think a lot of people have heard it yet. Uh-huh. So, um, like, I that's the other thing. Like, I was putting out all this music from COVID on, but not having a way to actually premiere it and play it live. So that's one of the songs that I'll be playing next week, which I'm excited about. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, where, so you've been releasing music, like where can the listeners of this yeah, podcast so it's, find um, that music? Yeah, so all on all the streaming platforms and it's under That Girl Toby. That Girl Toby. That Girl Toby, T-O-B-I. Yeah. T-O-B-I. Yes, T-O-B-I, okay. yeah. And uh, um, do you have, besides the show, do you have any like new releases or anything like that coming um, out? I do. I have this one song called uh, Who Do You Think You Are? Mm-hmm. And it's coming out. I'm Charles. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, it's called, it's coming out uh, February 17th. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I have um, my show next week, February 9th. And then February 17th is when that's coming out. Cool. Yeah. And so make sure you're following that girl, Toby, on yes. Spotify, Apple yeah. Music, all of the things. All the, all the things. Do that and then go find Charles Ellsworth and follow all of that if you Heck aren't yeah. already. Uh, follow the podcast. And follow Biddy the Bee. Biddy the Bee. Is yeah. Biddy the Bee on there too? Um, it's also on Spotify and all that fun stuff. Cool. Yeah. B-T-T-Y? Yep. B-T-T-Y, the Bee. The Bee. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm, I'm very... Uh, very excited to catch one of your shows sometime. Thanks, I also I want to so catch too. the this the kids show sometime. If, yeah, if I'll let you know when there's a if that's a possibility. That sounds so really fun. cool. Thank yeah. you. It's really fun. Uh, um, and like I normally, uh, like uh, I don't mind kids, but I normally like avoid them because if I don't sure. know their parents, I just like I don't want to be around you for sure. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, I, I just it. feel kind of <laughs> weirded out. Like yeah. uh, if unless they're like parents are like my siblings or a friend to like be in the room yeah totally yeah. it's just like and the kid will run up and like hug you and i'm like i don't even know if this is appropriate like you know yeah just um but no they're really cute so if you get a can, chance i will let you know for sure i would love to do so that when you can come yeah um and where is there anywhere else that they can find out more information about what you got going on um thatgirltoby.com uh-huh. is my website and then on instagram and i post everything up there and then i also post my new upcoming dates with google Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we're playing at Carnegie Hall March 1st with Gogol Bordello. Oh, cool. Yeah. Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Hell yeah. I That'd guess he has been practicing. 
Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> we no. never practice anything. But uh, It's just that how to get to Carnegie Hall practice. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a... Uh, that's funny because I, I started working with some like bigger bands that to and it's like how many times they're like okay sound check night one that's our first practice You're oh like, exactly sound all of our sound checks on tour are our rehearsals really yeah that's uh, I mean I also kind of play like the guys that I play with in my band now are are pretty much a lot more like no we gotta like rehearse be rehearse. structured um, yeah and which is great because. Because, like, I've always kind of been like, yeah, fuck it, let's just get up there and, like, throw some music at it sure. their way, you know? Let's have some fun. And so I can kind of see both It's funny it. because that's how, <laughs> that's the world that I came in because being, like, a musical theater or just a theater person, I'm very much like, well, what am I saying? What am I singing where on? Where am I supposed what, to stand? Yeah, where, where do yeah. I stand? Like, who do I look at? And then when I first joined Gogol, my first show, I was like, okay, so what do you want me to do? Like, what am I singing on? And Eugene's like, I don't know. I don't care. Like... Figure like figure it out. Have fun. Like be open and be free. To, and I was That's like, funny. what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. Like, and it was terrifying for me. So, um, the very first show I ever played with Gogol, we were in a different country somewhere for a festival, and it was pouring rain. So everyone in the crew was scared that that the equipment was gonna break. So no one cared at all what I did on stage. Yeah. So my first show was like, great, the pressure's yeah. off me. They're just making sure the equipment's okay. Yeah, totally. And then ever since then, I, I I found my own place in the band, and it's been awesome. Sure, you just like been able to like just, just grow like, into that place and, and just get. Yeah, I've just been able to grow and figure out who I am on that stage. And Very cool. It's really it's been awesome. What's something that you've learned about being, um, being a bandmate? from being in Google Um, Just taking other people's lead and mm-hmm. like figuring out even if something, ha- even if we've rehearsed something before and we, or we've done it a thousand times on stage, in the moment, everyone has, you know, like your f- different feelings and different emotions that come out. Sometimes you're, fe- you're, you had a ragey day and you want to like take uh-huh. the stage and do something and you just kind of vibe off of each other. Totally. Which is why I just love being a part of a band. You get to see you get to see firsthand how other people express themselves. And then you get to be there to help them through their their state, where whatever it is. Uh-huh. I think that's so cool. The camaraderie behind it. Totally. No, and the relationships you, you form with people that you play music with are, are they're like my, very they're, unique. Yeah, like Gogol yeah. is like my family and like... It's just, it's so great to be a part of another family that you didn't... Totally. That you get to choose, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, do you have any... What's something you've learned about like being on the road that like helps sustain you or, or helps you um, manage that lifestyle? Yeah, um, trying to take care of yourself because there's a lot of partying that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, people come to the show expecting a party, yeah. and then after the show, they expect you to still be the party, yeah. and you're like, "But this is my job. Like, at some point, I have to totally. take care of myself so that I can do this again tomorrow." Yeah. So it's about maintaining your energy and your balance and getting enough sleep and. And also contacting the people at home that you love and making sure that you're still connected because that really grounds you when you're yeah. away. So it's just figuring out what you need to like fulfill you as a person that day. Totally. That whole connection to back home is uh, is something that's like I didn't realize was uh, – I think that was what I was chasing in a way was like this, this like – freedom you yeah. know, when I was younger yeah. and at a certain point that caught up to me because I was touring by myself because this freedom was always like me and my buds just like driving around and like sure. wreaking havoc and like yeah. just being Chaos rock and roll and, yeah. and then you get to a point where you're like 30, 31 years old and you're touring by yourself and you're and things aren't going great and, and you're like 
what keeps you going. Yeah, well, and yeah. also it's like I'm, I'm not, like, I feel like I don't exist. Like, I'm of no significance because I don't, like, nobody back home seems to give a fuck that I'm gone just because we don't, like, talk. I don't talk well, with anyone back yeah, home. Yeah, it's such a weird vibe. And, like, it's like a cutoff. It's like yeah. a two different worlds. It's so weird. And, like, and then you're on the road, and so you're, like, I'm just passing through, so I'm not a part of, of this. any sort of significance yeah. at all. You have to find some way to balance yourself on the road. Yeah. But also, I wouldn't give up touring on the road for any, I just, I love it. Oh, I mean, same. I have my animals at home, and it really sucks when I'm away from them. I mm-hmm. wish I could bring them. I bring my dog on tour with you me. You do? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm not allowed to bring my dog. Yeah. I mean, luckily, it's my van. I know. Yeah, right? my band. So, yeah, so if, I was touring, if I was touring with another band, probably. Yeah. <coughs> That's the, the one bummer about it. But um, What kind of animals do you have? I have a dog. Uh, her name is Aria. She's part pit and part lab. Oh, cool. She's six years old. She's amazing. And then I have a cat. that I, her, His name is Merlin. I got him for Aria during COVID because I thought she needed a, a friend. friend. Oh. Yeah. They get along really They're well. They're best friends. It's That's great. That's amazing. He'll like do like flips off of her. Like he'll like wait for her to come around a corner and then he'll like jump on her and then he'll like do like a flip or something and like so he's so weird. And Merlin? then I co- Merlin. That's he's so funny. I love magic. That's so like he's like a, you know the sorcerer. Yeah. Um and then sometimes I come home or my roommate will send a picture of the two of them literally like cuddled and laying together in each other's nook. Mm. And I'm just like, I wanna kill you. You're yeah. so fucking cute. Yeah, I've thought a lot about how if I lived somewhere else and had space, I would get a dog for my dog. Right? You know, like I want letting him dog, have yeah. another What kind of dog cow. do you have? He's an Australian cattle dog. Ooh. Like blue healer. Cool. Uh, yeah, he's... Um, What's his name? Banjo. Banjo. Yeah, That's I'll show cute. you some photos. Please. He's, he's the best. Uh, That's so cute. Yeah, so he and I tour together. We're like road dogs. Cool. Uh, and that's kind of what is what is like the new thing for me is like one thing about or like not really partying, but also, excuse me, is having my dog and taking care when I'm of on someone. the road and something to yeah. It's like yeah. oh, I gotta, I I gotta get up so yeah. I can let him out. Yeah. You know, I gotta do the things. You know, that's actually kind of cool. So you have some responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I like being on the road because I have no responsibility. Totally. But sometimes having no responsibility leads to chaos and yeah. you never waking up. Totally. So when my being on the road, unfortunately, because of the way I tour, is like if I'm. By myself, like I have, have all the responsibility, exactly, like everything, yeah. merchandise, settling at the end of the night, yeah. getting to the next town, loading in, loading out, yeah. like everything, and then taking care of banjo is like that's all on me. That's a lot. And yeah. so, it it can be pretty hard, but it's also nicely rigorous. So it's like I can't really fuck up, like cool. you know, I can't get fucked up. That's good. You know? That's yeah, good. and not that I really, like, luckily. I quit drinking and really kind of just stopped having, like, it's not, like, a, a problem for okay. me. It's just kind of, like, a thing that I'm, like, I don't really vibe with. It doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah, which is good and healthy. Yeah, and, totally. And, like, you know, it's, like, I'll, the pounds I'll, and all that stuff. sometimes, you know, on a very special occasion, I'll get a little drunk, you know. Um, but, uh, so, oh, and then when I'm touring with my band, it's, like, I, I wear all those hats, plus I'm also, like, dad. Yeah, you're because I'm in the tour manager too. So, yeah. like, I, when I started working so with bands that have like a crew and whatnot, I started looking around and being like, "Oh, I do the job of like seven or eight people uh, when yeah. I'm on tour." Yeah, and it's like, 
Oh, that's why you're losing your fucking mind by week two. You know, yeah, for sure. Uh, or that that's why you used to drink so heavily because it's a stressful thing to it deal with all stressful. this stuff. It is very stressful. I know? mean, I get a small part of that when I do my my biddy tours yeah, with my totally. kids program um, because I'm the creator of it. Like I have a great team, uh-huh. and um, Victoria, she from Puzzle Panther. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. she's like my right hand gal in that. Cool. Um, so she helps me a lot, but it's still like my project. Like I'm still the one that's like managing and booking things and everything. Cool. And um, I'm gonna probably be doing that with my dance pop band. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a lot of work, but it's you know someone it's you got to do it until though. it's really rewarding, yeah. and you got to do it until it's makes enough sense to hire someone else to do it. Exactly. You know? Until um, you're making that money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to wrap up soon. Yeah. Uh, but I. W- Last, I'm trying to think of a couple last, like, quick questions. Okay. Um, one, what is your favorite color? Blue. Blue? Yeah. Is there, like, a specific shade of blue or, like, just, like, like navy kind or royal like a blue? tealy blue. Tealy blue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dig that, <laughs> dig that a lot. Yeah. Um, what is advice you would have for mm. a young person just getting out of musical theater school or or art school yeah. or, or just jumping um, into a professional life in the arts. Sure, I would say to never give up. And as cliche as that sounds, it's just putting your heart into whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, then you really are able to make the strides and get past the challenges that hold you back from achieving the success. Totally. Um, and just being your most authentic self because that's – that's when you meet new people. That's yeah. when you make connections. And without any of that grounding you and helping you get to the next level, you you will be stagnant. Yeah. So I think it's just a lot of being truthful, believing in yourself, and um, and yeah, never giving up. That's such good advice. Um, never giving up because like. I- I heard an interview with John Hamm who said, like, I couldn't get parts because I looked like a 40-year-old man when I was 18. And then eventually <laughs> yeah. I auditioned for Mad Men, and I was the right? I looked the perfect I, – I was yeah. Don Draper. I feel like there's you so know, many more like, stories that I'm totally. more rel- – or more, like, becoming aware of nowadays that, like, they're like – like, Voldemort from, like, Harry Potter. Like, he didn't make – Chris – What's his uh, – No, no, no. What is that dude's uh, name? Not – uh. Ralph in in his in, I don't in his, remember his I, name. I, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, or also just Alan Rickman from yeah, Harry Alan Potter. Rickman. Like he didn't R. get R. anything. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. He didn't get anything until he was like forty. Yeah. And it's like he's a he was a brilliant actor and uh, so, iconic. Iconic. And there's yeah. so many more stories like that. So it's just totally. like you know just to believe in yourself and literally never give up because at any point it can happen. It's just all about timing. Totally. I uh, I'll repeat this story that I've, I think I've told on the podcast before. And it's on. I heard it on a podcast. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's cool. So you made it weird with Pete Holmes. Conan O'Brien was on there. So if anyone wants to listen, it's cool. Great interview. But Conan pretty much talks about how he's like, I feel like there was all. The, I got out of college, and there's just all this noise, and you're in a room, and like people are just making all these noise and playing all these instruments, and and yeah. uh, people are like, oh, that guy's got an electric guitar. Cool. Like, like let's listen to that. And there, and I'm just standing in the corner, just hitting a triangle. And that's like my style of comedy is just like he's just hitting this triangle. Yeah. And that's and it's he's like, I just did that for 10 years. And at some point, someone's like, what's that noise? I keep hearing this triangle thing. What is that thing? Like and then they and they start paying attention to it. And because yeah. you, you're the thing that's just been doing the thing consistently the thing. and you're really good at it by now because you've just been doing what you do. At the triangle. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, or like the triangle. <laughs> no, no, I get, yeah, I get, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. I would love to be able to play a triangle like Conan O'Brien. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, but, but yeah, essentially he was like, 
and then like everything kind of caught on you know like like people started paying attention to my thing and I got my opportunities and and because I was good That's at it cool. because I'd been rehearsing it and working on this thing for so long I was ready to go yeah you know That's and I'm really like, cool. being ready is yeah totally yeah you never know when an opportunity will strike yeah that's really cool i like that yeah that's so a cool analogy no i think it, i always loved it and i'm sure i've said it on the podcast before, well thanks for so, sharing yeah, yeah of course uh thank you so much for coming on this thank has you for been having me awesome i really loved it i'm uh yeah we'll we'll see you sometime on the podcast is there anything else you'd like to plug or say nope february 9th mercury lounge super nervous so for anyone and everyone to come out <laughs> would be awesome mm -hmm. just to support yeah, definitely. Yeah. February 9th, Mercury Lounge, after yes. you're done at the rooftop Hootenanny for Charles and Carl's thing, hop then on hop the L on train over. Yeah. over to to Mercury Lounge. And I would it's love to see you venue. live as well. Yeah, we'll do we'll, we'll something sometime. Yeah. Cool. And maybe we can get you on the my songwriter night sometime. That'd be so cool. We're figuring out, the one with Boris is the first one, but we're doing a monthly one. Fine. So, uh, cool. We'll have you on sometime. But That'd yeah. be really exciting. Cool. Thank well, you again for having no, me. No, thank you. This was amazing. Uh, and yeah, take care. Check Thanks, out that girl Toby on the internet. Yes. And uh, yeah, stay in touch. Cool, dope. Cool. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Boom. One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname. Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King. She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast